welcome to today's edition of Locked On Jazz. Wait a sec, that's not how we open. Even if we're live, we have to open otherwise. Let's do our regular open. Put it down. Three, two, one. It is Locked On Jazz. The Utah Jazz preseason is over and the defense never arrived. What does it mean? How concerned should we be? What is real? What is fake? And what is Quinn Snyder going to do to these guys for the next five days? It's all coming up on today's edition of Locked on Jazz. Pow! How are you? I'm David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz, Jazz NBA insider. This is Locked on Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz, giving you insight, expertise, geeky numbers. I just realized I didn't set up my microphone correctly. Hopefully we'll get this going for you. So many different pieces to a live broadcast, and I didn't do them right to start. So now i got to The key today is getting your comments and your questions in on the broadcast because, quite frankly, there is a lot of concern out there from everyone uh, about the Utah Jazz and the preseason and how they performed. And, frankly... I think there's some legitimacy to the concern, frankly. I, I think in a lot of in, that, that was a disturbing preseason. There's no other way to say it. I think you watch what you saw there, and a lot of things, you know, one of the questions we, we all had was how great will they be offensively? I think generally that sh- we can see coming together. Mike Conley and Rudy Gobert aren't totally comfortable yet together, and there's some areas where – the Jazz need to get better in 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 those regards as well, um, but defensively was a question mark. Could the Jazz be as good defensively as they have been over the years uh, when Derek Favors is off the floor with the change of the team? And the answer in the preseason is no, unquestionably no. The Jazz finished the preseason as the last ranked defensive team. In the NBA. That is stunning. Uh, ab- I mean, stunning. I, di- I did not expect this. Uh, and the concern levels, how concerned, probably should be, I mean, I, I think if you're the coaching staff, you're concerned right now. Right? Like, let's not kid ourselves. I think the coaches are watching this right now and trying to figure out, like, whoa, what just happened? How much of this is guys not knowing it? How much is it what's, you know, that there's something wrong with us? W- what are the issues? You know, the only teams that had a worse defense than the Utah Jazz were the Long Lions from China, the Shanghai Sharks, the Adelaide 36ers, Hoffa, uh, Maccabi Hoffa, Buenos Aires, and Melbourne United. The Jazz had the worst defensive rating of any team in the NBA. Now, the Spurs are 29th, the Warriors are 28th, the Pelicans are 27th, the Pistons are are 26th, the Cavs are 25th, the Raptors, like, you know, I, I don't know where it is that we decide that it has validity and you worry about it and where it is it has validity and you don't worry about it. Um, but there is at least some level here where you look at this right now and they have not been able to uh, defend at all. So why not? Why have they not been able uh, to defend in any way shape or form to this team. So here's the concern. Um, The concern is that they're just smaller than they've ever been before. Uh, 
and that they're not taking up space. There was a play last night where C.J. McCollum or either Dane came off a pick, took a shot at the top, Conley closed nicely, but at 6-1, Conley's close wasn't as high as Ricky Rubio's 6-4 close. Like, does that really matter? Maybe it does. There was another play in the first half last night where the, the Jazz, I thought, were kind of all in their right spots and doing all of the right things, and yet Portland was able to make each pass they wanted to make because there just wasn't anyone eating up space. Uh, Ed Davis, who is a great positional defender, a good um, uh, pick setter, super teammate, Terry Stotts raved about him, is not big. In fact, to me, having watched Favors play backup center, is noticeably small, frankly. A little disconcerting on that. So, like, if you look at us, yeah, Rudy's still Rudy. Uh, Rudy. Conley's smaller than Rubio by, by a large amount. Better player, but smaller. Donovan is the same size. Boyan is playing the three instead of Joe. They're probably about the same size. Joe might be a little longer. I don't know. Um, but they're about, you know, 168, 167. They're about the same. And then Royce O'Neal is playing instead of Derek Favors for, for 12 of those minutes. And then Royce O'Neal or Jeff Green's playing instead of Jay Crowder, which is not that big a difference. That one's not as tangible. That shouldn't be that big an impact. Rudy's Rudy. The one that's demonstratively different to me is the two areas where Favors was in the, in the game. Favors was as in the bit in the starting big, obviously much bigger and the backup center. He just covered space. He just, he's long in this big body and does all these things. And that is just not something that we are seeing out of Ed Davis. Ed Davis is in the right position and he's a great offensive rebounder and he does all these things really well. But it was like evident to me last night, there were some plays in which, um, the space is not was not great, you know. And frankly, Rudy has not been very good yet. Like that's let's like that's the other one I would say. Like and and to some extent, like who cares? Who cares? But I do think after watching um, the last few days of this and the fact that honestly they weren't better yesterday is a little disconcerting. Now let's also remember one other thing. Um, that we were the number one defense in the NBA last year, um, and Portland scored 45 points on us in the first quarter in, on January 30th in Portland and 35 on us in the third quarter. And Dame had 36 and CJ had 30. So there is a level where, and this is one of the best mid-range shooting teams in the NBA, so there is a level in which, hey, you know what? We have a sample size of like four games one of which we played the Milwaukee Bucks without Rudy Gobert. The second in which we played the New Orleans Pelicans, who, you know, maybe we just weren't plugged in, but we, you know, we were fine. We, we, we would have won that game had we not played the final guys. And then Sacramento, who last year, when we were the number one defense in the NBA, ran by us and caused us all sorts of problems. And then Portland, who at, has blown us out with some consistency. The other thing that I think is maybe the most important thing here is in both in, in the positive sense. In the last two games, the Jazz have absolutely skewed the shot chart of the other team, and they have hit an inordinate amount of shots that is just, it's not sustainable. Last night, Portland took 23% of their shots at the rim 
and 29% of their shots is threes. They hit 57% of corner threes. They hit 55% of above the break threes. And they hit 50% of mid-range threes, of mid-range shots. That's not sustainable. That's And they hit 81% of their shots at the rim, which is a little crazy. That's like we should be able to defend that better than 13 to 16. But they were 20 of 40 on mid-range shots. No one's doing that. They were 11 of 20 of above the break threes. No one's doing that. That's fresh legs, having not played, no no, no pressure, no burden, no gain. Like, the last two games, to some extent, when you look at the shot charts the Jazz have created by their opponents, I actually will, I will actually back up and say, you know what, don't worry about it. Like, that's where, hey, we're not defending. It looks terrible. It's disconcerting. Um... I got it. I'm kind of with you on all those things. I'm a little concerned. You don't go from first defensively in the preseason the last two years to 30th and think you're going to have the same team. Um, I am a little concerned about the lack of size that's uh, that <clears throat> that I didn't see. I mean, I, I, I'm 100% in with everything that they did in the offseason, and I'm that excited about it. And the offense still lo- looks great. And, you know, so it's a – and I, I thought there was a chance we could be the Milwaukee Bucks and be the number one seed. So there's – you know, to see them not look the way you had hoped is is disconcerting, but maybe unrealistic too. But I, I will go back to this. I'm such a believer in shot distribution and how much it matters. There's just no way teams are going 13 of 16 at the rim. And and so you look at the last two games and the Jazz allowed only uh, 23% of the shots at the rim and 29% of the shots is threes by Portland. If you look at shot... Uh, Mid-range shooting in the NBA over the last decade, it's always the same. It's always 38, 39, 40%. It's not going to change. The Sacramento Kings were 26% of the shots at the rim and 35% of their shots is threes. 35% of their shots is threes is too high. But it's just not going to be that these teams all uh, hit 50% of their mid-range shots. Now, the fact that the the Sacramento was 14 of 20 at the rim and Portland was that good at the rim too is that's a little like, okay, what's going on there? Um, Dame's gotten very good at attacking Rudy. Frankly, Uh, Dame has kind of uh, figured that out. All right. Those are my opening thoughts. I want to take your questions and your comments the rest of the way. That's really the purpose of this. I got two little shout outs. I want to give on the Instagram Um, before we go too far. I just saw mayor bear out there. I think yesterday was your birthday. I saw on Twitter. So happy birthday. And then I'm just nervous about whether this is true just because I'm a neurotic freak, which I was actually talking to a friend about just earlier today because that's just who I am. But it says Tim Howells joined um, – Tim Howells joined. And if that's Tim Howells, that could be Tim Howells, like former president of the Utah Jazz. And, and if, that's, if that's the same one, then that makes me uh, very, very nervous uh, as well, because he's the former president of the Jazz. And I'm just, you know, an old like old adult who's still neurotic like a child. All right. <laughs> Way more about me than you ever needed to know. All right, let's get to your questions and your comments. Uh, today's show, as are often our Thursday live shows, brought to you by my good friend Rob Taylor out in Pleasant Grove at the Shamrock Auto. I really wish I still called him Rob Thomas all the time. It was way more fun when I thought he was the Matchbox 20 lead singer. Because you know why? I am not crazy, but I'm a little bit unwell. Uh, I don't think I got that right. Anyway, the uh, Rob's got a great place out at Shamrock Auto. They've built uh, out of with Brady and the crew. What he's done is he just went to simplify. He said, okay, I don't like my car buying experiences, uh, so I'm going to open a, a nearly news 
uh, new used car uh, place, and I'm going to here's the premise. I'm going to have it be easy, simple, straightforward. We're going to buy all of our cars. Um, we're going to better cars, no drama, no hassle, great pricing, and get you in your truck sedan. Easy. And it's exactly what he's done. It's kind of cool when you sit down and talk to him. So the first thing it is, he got 80 combined years of automotive experience and a te- technician that was over 25 years in the business, and he's buying the car so that he knows he doesn't have to worry about that. Then he has fewer employees than anyone else so that everything's easy. It's just we get they get through it. It's, it's, there's not a lot of pick tape. If you want to take a test drive, you just take the car on a test drive. There's not any of that kind of stuff. He, most cars are 6 to 12 months, five to 20,000 miles, suburban, Yukon, big SUVs. Um, he can actually, his greatest pride is the people that call him up and say, hey, I'm looking for this, go find it for me, or the people that come from out of state because they've had such a great experience. Look at their Google reviews, theircars.com, and you'll see how great it is. 801-319-2250. Tell him you're locked on jazz. He's got a bunch of special deals for you. 801-319-2250. All right, we got the chat room open. Uh, wants your questions or your comments. Matt Moon wants to know if I can introduce him to Joe Ingalls. <laughs> woo Matt Moon is back. Um, Izzy says, I seem to remember the Jazz defense in the po- past season starting slow and getting better as the season goes on. That is true. Last year, Sacramento ran by us in an early November game. Uh, pure panic set in, frankly. Uh, I remember vividly walking on the tarmac to the plane the next day uh, with David Morway, assistant general manager of the Jazz, uh, heading to L.A. And just I remember asking him, like, do you think there's a chance – that the league has just gotten so fast and so athletic and we're not that fast and not athletic and we were um, and, and we're screwed. And he's like, no, I don't think so. And he was calm and he's been around the league a long time and he's not an extremist like me. And so he was calm about it. But the Jazz transition defense against Sacramento was terrible. I mean, I think it's interesting, at least in the sense that the Jazz were terrible against both Sacramento and Portland, two teams that they were terrible against last year at times as well. Um, but I do think the defense is starting slow. I, you know, I'm trying to figure out and look and see, is there something that's tangibly different? And the answer I have is size, that we're just not covering as much space. Like Zach Collins and Hassan Whiteside last night covered an awful lot of space. That, I thought, was, was evident. All right, from T. Beckstrom, who's a... Uh, loyal, loyal off the Periscope feed. How can we get, how can we take from Moutier's performance the last two games? He looked really good. Um, I thought he looked better last night than he did the first night. I did not think he looked good the first night. I thought the first night he looked rushed and fast and uh, couldn't handle the dribble and just I thought the speed of the game from being out for a while. Um, I know, The negative I noticed last night is he's out of shape from the injury. He was dying at one point when he went to break. Uh, he hits that corner three, missed the above the break three. I mean, he actually was everything the numbers say he is. Um, he, you know, he hit the corner three, missed the above the break three. He was able to power himself into the basket for a layup. He actually finished at the rim twice, which is great. That'll be the key to his season. Uh, he does not see teammates great, so I thought it was interesting that the second time they had him out there with Donovan. Um, but, I, you know, this is hard for him. He just missed a key component of what's taking place, and now he's trying to join in. So um, not a lot of judgment there on Moody. I think he'll be a part of the rotation. The Jazz will try to figure out how to use him best. And he's got a big body that can score a little bit on that second team. How much would having Dante back fix our defensive space? Oh, that's interesting. Um, he's long, right? So that would make us longer at a position than we are right now. So that, that could help a little bit. Um, though I have him playing as a three, and I don't know if he's excessively long 
uh, there. That's a good question by Orcus33 on uh, Periscope. Why did uh, you play arguably two of the best offensive teams in Milwaukee? In we did play two of the best offensive teams in Milwaukee in Portland. Right. No, I mean, that was not an easy preseason schedule with a little travel, guys coming back from the World Cup. There's all sorts of excuses we can make on it. And it's why I'm not totally tripping out. I'm just trying to find the reason why any of this could be true. And I think there were there were two things that going into the season that I think we were concerned about in regards to, or one, I'm not even concerned about, wondering about, and they were one, can we still defensive rebound? Well, we're the fourth best defensive rebounding team in the, in the preseason at 81%. So that's good. The teams, we allowed teams to shoot an effective field goal percentage of 56%, which just is not a natural number. I just don't think that's lasting. Uh, particularly when you consider, I think, where we were a year ago, um, which is one of the best in the league at defending the shot at... Um, oh, wait. No, that was, our shoot, that was our shooting, not our defensive numbers. Sorry. Uh, let me go... You know, 56% um, for the Warriors, 565 last year, was the best defensive uh, effective field goal percentage um, in the league. Uh, last year, in the regular season, our defensive effective field goal percentage was actually I have on a sheet of paper right over here. It was fifty point seven. In this, in last year, in the preseason, it was forty one. But again, we played two Australian teams. This year, in the preseason, our defensive effective field goal percentage is fifty seven. I I don't I don't think that's a uh, a real number. I really don't. Um, I just don't I don't necessarily um believe that teams can shoot at the number they've been shooting against us so far. All right, let's continue. Uh get your questions, your thoughts. Let's go over to the uh uh Periscope or from the Instagram from Mayor Bear, who we just wished happy birthday to a moment ago. Portland went to the Western Conference Finals last year. They're really good, and Collins is better than Cantor. They did look better last night. They thought the, I thought the biggest change for them was that everybody they have on that roster can handle the ball. Very similar to us. I mean, Bazemore's bringing it up. They just had some more versatility um, than I thought they were going to have. I don't love their team. Um, num my numbers don't love their team. We'll see uh, whether or not they actually turn out to be that good, but they were the number one offensive team in all of the NBA after August 1st last year. Uh, will Emmanuel take Exum's spot permanently even when Exum comes back? Um, I don't know. That, I mean, I think they're battling to some extent um, of whether or not that – of what their roles are, but I also think that Dante could play off the ball, um, and I actually think Emmanuel could play a little bit off the ball too if he makes some shots. Uh, back to our Twitter feed. Why do you – um, excuse me, to our Facebook feed. We're bouncing from all of them. We're locked on live on Facebook, YouTube, Twitch, as well as Periscope at Locked On Sports. Uh, what's the history of bad defensive teams with a reigning defensive player of the year? Hard to believe the Jazz won't be in the top 10 defense without Rudy. Uh, with Rudy. I, I would agree with you. I mean, I don't think Rudy's been great yet, so hopefully Rudy plugs in. Uh, but at the other time, you know, Rudy's had to go out because these teams have hit their mid-range shots. Rudy's had to go out further than usual. And then these teams hit their shots, and then there's some room for them to drive, and they're able to get on the backside of Rudy. Uh, Dame Lillard has become very, very good at coming on the angle, using the rim as his rim defense and making that layup. And uh, James Harden kind of, I think, showed the league how to do that a little bit to Rudy. And so we're seeing, I think in, in that regard, we're seeing what happens uh, there and how that's playing because, um, frankly, they're, you know, 
That That's the only way. You can't go through Rudy. You can't come straight at him. You can't go over him. And so the only thing you can do is kind of use the rim as a weak side rim defense. Um, and, you know, I don't think that's where Favors was all the time or something of that nature. I think teams are adjusting a little bit um, to how to deal with the best shot blocker in the game. Good question, Sean. Um, Car Bunkle wants to know if I can introduce you to Matt Moon. That's a great idea. Um, is this going to be another season with a slow start and then the Jazz have a good second half run, says Koei Jopes. Maybe, from Twitch. So we've got a YouTube question. We've got a Facebook, a Periscope, and a Twitch. What a great world we live in. Uh, maybe. Uh, I wasn't expecting that. I, I was one who said I just thought these guys would be able to you know, put it together this year and um, that they had the talent and talent overrides all other things. Um, but right now it doesn't look that cohesive. And frankly, Mike Conley and Rudy Gobert looked a little bit last night. Like they just have not played together, which they haven't. Mike Conley has not played a lot of the preseason uh, practices and scrimmages. And then in the games and Rudy didn't play one of the games. And so they have not spent a huge amount of time together on the floor. And I thought that showed. So there is a, there's a possibility that that is the case that we're going to see that today's show is the Boyan Bogdanovich questions are all coming here in the second. Today's show is brought to you by my good friends over at Intercap. They do have done amazing things in the community and they're doing amazing things in the lending world. Uh, they now have 15 branches in Utah from St. George to Logan to Twilla to Vernal. When we first started, I think they had one. Um, we now have branches in Boise and Las Vegas as well. As of June, they doubled their, they had hit their numbers. Why do they do all these things? Because of the fact that they get deals done by it being a direct lender. They're hyper responsive. They embrace change and the borrow experience at intercap lending is fabulous. Steve Carter just keeps sending me review after review after review. That's amazing. And why? Cause Steve Carter treats you great. I had the experience with Steve, as I've told you before, I wondered whether I got it because I'm David Locke, which sounds really arrogant, but I did wonder that. And it's not. That's how he treats everyone. Call Steve Carter at 385-885-28. The market's right for it right now. Dave Thurman says, all I can say is Steve Carter is by far the best loan officer I've ever worked with. That is to say something because I have done my fair share of loans in my lifetime. He's responsive, just down-to-earth person to work with, which is rare. I will still rec- I would be sure to recommend him to anyone I know with the highest praise. From Clayton and Sarah Wilson or Winslow, Steve Carter intercap did a fantastic job with the refi for Sarah and I. The process was seamless and very quick. We reached out with a time crunch and he really made it happen. Intercap. Steve is by far the best mortgage company we've dealt with. We'll recommend him and them to anyone with a new mortgage or refi. So that's coming from Clayton and Sarah. That's coming from Dave Thurman. Give Steve Carter a call today at 385-885-28. That's 385-885-28. All right, from David Stott on Instagram. So we've hit five different formats on our live show today. Boyan looks overwhelmed defensively. A lot of it looks like he's out of place. I was, I'm thinking a lot uh, of it could be the struggles he's having offensively. He's an effort guy, so he should try to improve. Yeah, well, I don't, that's interesting. I don't know if I'd ever think of him as a pure effort guy. He is uncomfortable. He talked to the media uh, the other day, uh, and this is the next question coming in from Elliot Exposure. Uh, on Instagram about why didn't Boyan play last summer. So his national team didn't make the World Cup, and so he didn't have a team to play on, and he's always played. And he said he's just uncomfortable with the game. I think what's taking place right now is he is thinking an awful lot. He's coming from Nate McMillan's system, which is as basic as it comes, and now he's coming to this. It's interesting to me, though, as I talked to him the other day when we were in New Orleans about this before the game, 
And he didn't sound like this was bothering him. He thought, hey, it's just basketball. It's easy. But as it's picked up a little bit, I think he is thinking a little bit more. And he is uncomfortable. And I don't know if he's uncomfortable so much with the system as he is with just playing right now. And things are happening to him. You saw him drive in the lane a bunch of times and get caught and throw bad passes. He just looks uncomfortable. Then when he was 0-4 at home, I thought he looked like he was his confidence waned. And it's interesting. I talked to a scout yesterday about Bogdanovich, and the word on him was that his, he's an in-and-out confidence guy. And I said at the time, uh, well, he's not anymore because he averaged 20 a game, but I guess maybe he still is. That was the book on him prior to last year in Indiana was that he is an in-and-out confidence guy. And so right now is off, and I thought you could see that last night, that he did not. He had multiple times to be able to pull the trigger. He didn't pull the trigger on those. He didn't make those shots. He didn't, you know, go after those shots. And and so to me, that is a um, uh, that is noticeable uh, in the way he's playing right now. And I think that, you know, he just, you're right, he absolutely looks uncomfortable. Maybe the lights go on, big game. Some matchup, big play here, and it all clicks in. He's played a lot of basketball. His numbers are so consistently good that it's hard to believe he'll be anything but those things. Um, But right now, it's absolutely true. He does not look as comfortable as he has been. All right, let's go back over to the uh, should Joe Joe Ingles start over Boyan at least at the start of the season until he gets more comfortable. Uh, I don't don't think you paid him that money for him to come off the bench. Uh, I think Joe brings you... Um, more in the sense of what he, um, what he brings to the table. Off Joe does some more things off the bench right now that helps the team. I mean, I think the question is whether you just start Joe. Like if we're not if we're not good to open games defensively right now, do you just go with your best offensive lineup? I don't know that we can outscore people as our motto, but they're you know right now we're trying to put out these lineups and they're not very good defensively. Do you just put out your best offensive lineup until you figure it out defensively? How long do you think it will take for the Jazz defense to get to where it needs wants to be? I mean, last year it took 20 games or so, so maybe that's the answer this year from Superfin23 on Twitch. I, I don't know, though, honestly. That's not a question I think I have a solid answer to. Um, I don't think we'll be 30th. I thought we played some really good teams. We'll, we'll expose some teams, and Quinn's game prep is pretty awesome. But I I'm not totally certain that we're going to be top 10 defensively anymore. I'll be honest. That the, the I am jolted a little bit by what I've seen in uh, these opening moments of, of, tra- of preseason. I, I, I'm jolted a little bit. Uh, it's not, it's, it's, it's hard to have that be your most recent sample size and I think not be impacted by it at least a little. And, and so if I'm honest, I, I am impacted by it a little bit right now. Uh, Jason Norman from our Facebook feed. It feels like Bogey is struggling emotionally with the pressure to be a good shooter. He's passing up some open shots. His passes appear delayed. How much of this is comfort with the system and how much is getting into his own head? So, I mean, I think it's all combined into everything, right? He just doesn't feel as though he's just not comfortable. He said it yesterday that he's struggling with playing the game, having been off for five or six months. It's not clicking to him as quickly. Um, as I said a moment ago, I talked to some scouts around the league who said he's kind of an up-and-down confidence player, so we're seeing, we're, we're learning a little bit about him. He was obviously on a high for most of last year. Uh, the, uh, you know, the shooting he didn't seem to be bothered by, and then he didn't shoot well. Um, he's a great, you know, the numbers on him, like, I'm just not like, I, I'm a sample size guy. Right. So, you know, Johnny Bryant and I always are battling about various things about numbers. And I'm always like sample size, sample size, larger sample size. Like, you know, when someone beats us on the mid range for a night, Johnny's like quick to jump me about it. 
And then, you know, I'm like, well, wait a sec. What about like, give me, give me the sample size. Well, okay. I'm going to take the sample size of Bogdanovich's three point shooting over the last three seasons or since he got from Washington second half or even, you know, 37, 40, 43 are his last three seasons with 38 before that. He's taken 1,700 threes. The rule kind of out there is that you're most likely to be your last 700, whatever you were in your last 750 threes is likely what you're going to be was 41%. So, I, you know, on all of the, I, I'm not, wor- I, I think he's got, he's waning confidence. He's got five days to get comfortable. Quinn's a master at this kind of stuff. Um, so this is not something that's high on my list of concerns with the Utah Jazz. Boyan Bogdanovich's offensive performance is not one of them. Um, now that the season over after Donovan, who do you think is going to be the second scorer? Well, if last night's any indicator, it's Mike. Um, I thought it was going to be Rudy when the year started. Still might be Rudy. Um, I don't know who's going to be the second scorer. Josh Lloyd, locked on fantasy basketball, number one fantasy basketball show in the land, is probably a better person to answer um, those questions for you. Uh, If you're asking for a fantasy purpose, I'm not sure. Uh, My Harpering said, vets don't try in the preseason. It looked like Rudy and Conley especially haven't tried as hard on defense. Conley got into guys last night. Conley, Green, Bogey will learn Rudy's behind them. I, I I think there's a lot to that. Like, you're just not going to play as hard in the preseason. I thought there's been a lot of that. Um, and our activity was better and our movement was better. It's just, you know, it's hard to ignore it. But I do agree. Um, and I do, and I've said this all off season. We had guys on the team last year who, if they did not um, play hard, they didn't play. Our guys are now way more talented. And so, therefore... Uh, when you're that much more talented, you, it, there's a ten. You don't have to play. You haven't made your living on playing hard. You've made your living because you're really, really good. And so I think there is a little bit of that that's taking place. That we don't have natural try-hard guys because they haven't had to in their career. Uh, Donovan's preseason, by the way, 26 minutes, 18 points a game, four rebounds, three assists. So his assists. Um, shot 48% from the field, 37% from three, and 82% from the free throw line. It's pretty good. Donovan's preseason was pretty darn good. Defensive rating of a 112, 122.8, and an offensive rating that was not great. Um, so give, give some, give some love to Donovan's, uh, performance there. He was, he's been pretty, he's been pretty great. Uh, thus far in this. All right, continuing with your questions. Does starting Jeff Green over Royce make the Jazz bigger and longer defensively? It does, but Jeff Green's not as tough and physical as Royce is defensively. So that's where the coaching staff gets into a really tough kind of quandary of what's the right choice here on either of those two. Uh, What is off with the Bears defense so far? Is it just a preseason thing? It might just be a preseason thing, but no, I I don't think there's... And it also has to do with, you know, you've played pretty good guards, and guards who can get downhill and get on the rim um, would be the issue. All right, I think that wraps us up. A fun live show. Your questions are always great. We super appreciate it. we got a lot to cover between now and Wednesday when the Jazz will play Oklahoma City. Thanks very much for tuning in. Appreciate your support. I don't know if you heard the announcement. I kind of got caught up and forgot to mention it. Hollinger and Duncan, John Hollinger and Nate Duncan, are now on the Lockdown Podcast Network with a once-a-week show. Rejecting the screen, the new national program there, has Sam Mitchell on, and it's really, really good. Um, 
for uh, really, really good to have uh, that show out there, long-form interviews, so make sure you go grab that one. In fact, why don't you just tell your smart device to play podcast rejecting the screen? That's rejecting the screen. I should say it better if I'm telling this. So anyway, have a great one. Thanks for tuning in. This has been Locked on Jazz, part of the Locked on Podcast Network. Super appreciate having you aboard.